G'day, my name is This is Legal Mullet, Adam O'Brien, here to go back to the old western days, the rock and rolling western days of the 1980s. Tonight, as we look at Young Guns and, of course, the sequel, the rock opera version of Young Guns, I like to call it, because it's bigger, more expansive, more dramatic, and that is, of course, Young Guns 2. And it even has a bookend to it with the tale of Rushy Bill Roberts. Of course, this is the story of Billy the Kid, William H. Bonney, Henry McCarty, or whatever else he wanted to be called, but the main one was, of course, Billy the Kid <laughs> and his regulators, and going against, of course, Murphy and Dolan, of course, the house, and, of course, the Lincoln County War back in the Old West. This is a tale that's been told a number of times through, of course, Westerns over the years, but it was also a time for Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, and, of course, Dermot Mulroney, Kiefer Sutherland, Casey Samaisko and Lou Diamond Phillips to really show that they had what it take to actually take a six-gun, go out there, and find justice. And they did. And they did it twice. <laughs> we'll be talking about that tonight. Also talking about what we love about it. And, of course, got to say, the music, because the music is fantastic. Particularly the second, with, of course, John Bon Jovi, with Blaze of Glory and more. All right, let's get into it, folks, here on Lethal Mullet episode number... 88 Young Guns and the tale of Brushy Boo Roberts. I sit here waiting, contemplating what's the best day, watching that you move the lethal moment. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... G'day, my name Follow the Lethal Mullet here on Phantom Podcast Network's master channel at fbnet.podbean.com or subscribe on the Podbean app where you can find all the shows. Blood of Kings, a Highlander podcast. Culture Clash, a weekly look at pop culture. You look at Making Treks, a Star Trek fan podcast. You can also check out the Mullet Guild, a look at the Dune universe from me, the Lethal Mullet. You can also check out this show and all the others like What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast, Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, and much, much more. All on FPN. You can follow on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all podcatchers. Make sure you follow me, the Lethal Mullet, at the Lethal Mullet on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Now it's time for the latest action news from the cinema and martial arts movies and more. All here on the Lethal Mullet Podcast. G'day, mate. How you going? This is Lethal Mullet, Adam O'Brien. We'll be live from Quinlan's Cantina in the Gold Coast of Australia on a very hot, humid, and steamy night here in Australia and of course the last month of summer here in February is always the hottest, the most humid for you out there in uh, those that um, countries that have a different type of temperature gauging, this would be about 115 maybe 120 degrees Fahrenheit, somewhere around there, very humid for a night this is uh, roughly 8.50pm, so you can see that the actual humidity gets Quite warm out here in Australia, folks, but I tell you what, we still get through it. <laughs> well, I hope you've all been well and uh, out there enjoying 
what movies you can see and stuff like that, of course, uh, on streaming that are new when it comes to uh, action movies. Lots on there, of course, on the Tubi channel, T-U-B-I, which we'll um, definitely be covering a lot more of here on the show. And I hope you've certainly gone and checked out Moon 44, which is the last episode we did here and what that all came through. I mean, that, that was one hell of a movie to uh, really introduce the director, Roland Emmerich, and starring, of course, Michael Paré. The kid and come back in 1950 at the ripe old age of about 90 years of age to get his pardon that he was promised by Governor Lou Wallace. So we're going to do a little bit of that tonight, but also we've got a little bit of news for you. Alrighty mate, time to go down to the pub for a pint, a chat, action movies and more, here on the Lethal Bullet Podcast. On the mullet news tonight we have, of course, Young Guns, the amazing film that came out in 1988 with Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen and, of course, Kiefer Sutherland on the map. Yes, he was known very well for his amazing work he did there. Oh, I tell you, folks, you're going to really love this one. We're going to talk about Lou Diamond Phillips. And, of course, they did a film together called Renegades, which we covered a little bit earlier here on the show. And you can find that and many more like it on the Lethal Mullet Network. That's right. Lethal Mullet Podcast. Covering everything when it comes to celebration of, of course, the 80s action cinema and beyond. Maybe we should look at Young Guns right now. Here we go. Here on the network. Here we go. Let's get into it. Young Guns, folks, is an amazing Western, and I know you out there that have grown up in the 80s would have enjoyed these films when they came out. Of course, Young Guns too, as well. These were real rock and roll Westerns, all right? So they were really, they were Westerns, but they were very modern at the time. Uh, we had a time where, of course, Westerns were sort of on the phase out as far as popularity. People getting into sci-fi, Star Wars, obviously a big part of that success in uh, film. But what we really had was a time when I think, you know, people were just lost interest in general in those films. Uh, Vietnam films, the war films were very popular then. Uh, Full Metal Jacket and um, films like, obviously, uh, Platoon, a huge award-winning film there. But also films like um, Hamburger Hill, which I actually think is probably the better out of those three films. That was the sort of climate we are in the 80s. And, of course, the Ninja Boom, the action movies, the Chuck Norris's, the Charlie Bronson's. That's where things were as far as 80s action cinema, etc. But out came this film, directed by the father of Dean Kane, the father of Superman, folks. There you go, bet you didn't know that. Christopher Kane directed this film and came out in 1988 in the States, the 12th of August to be exact. And it really revolutionised things because it brought a coolness to an older genre. You know, one that um, was very huge in the 40s and 50s, and even in the 60s was starting to date. But now, I tell you what, this was cool. And also got us to know um, characters like Billy the Kid, uh, obviously Peter Garrett, uh, Pat Garrett, sorry, I should say. (laughs) There you go, folks. Getting used to some... uh, Singers of Midnight Oil, uh, not so good politicians too, folks. Peter Garrett. <laughs> uh, um, 
But Pat Garrett, obviously, too, as uh, he was a huge part of um, folklore there, too. And one of the big parts is the mysterious character of Brushy Bill Roberts, this um, character that sort of came out of nowhere uh, to some extent to claim that he was Billy the Kid in 1950 and actually tried to get um, the, the claim, basically, that um, from the, I think it was the governor, Governor Lou Wallace basically said that he was going to get a pardon back in the days when he was uh, facing against the uh, people in the, obviously, the Lincoln County War, uh, the Dolan Murphy clan, the House, and it's just some of the stuff that happened there. Basically, Billy was going to turn state's evidence, and so in that, he got a pardon that uh, never actually eventuated, and uh, this character came out of nowhere and said, I am Billy the Kid. And there's a lot of detail that's right and a lot that's sort of in the murky area as far as I've seen. I haven't really delved into too much. But I will tell you this, folks. I've just ordered through um, Amazon these two great books. Um, one's by W.C. Jamieson, and uh, it's called Billy the Kid Beyond the Grave. So I'm going to be digging into that, and obviously you can see Billy the Kid there, and this is brushy Bill Roberts on the other side. Um, so obviously that's the character that Emilio Estevez plays in the start of Young Guns 2. And he goes, I want to go against the governor and talk about him, the, go and get my pardon for killing the 21 men. And of course tells um, the, uh, the guy that comes out of the car exactly who he was and vice versa, whether you believe that or not is another thing. Now, the other one is, of course, To Hell on a Fast Horse, the untold story of Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. So you, go, you actually got a little bit of one of these old-style illustrations on the front there, too. So interesting characters, interesting uh, folklore. Um, again, it's uh, cops and robbers in the Old West, and it's very interesting. But let's get a look at what the movie was about. So let's set the pace. You've got a character by the name of John Tunstall, played by Terence Stamp who's a British gentleman, he's going to uh, Lincoln County, and he's basically started his own um, cattle yard, and he's trying to sell cattle in town, vice versa. He's up against some Irishmen by the name of Murphy and Dolan, who have their own um, one as well in town, and they're pretty rowdy. They've got everyone in their back pockets as far as money uh, in town and officials, and there's a head-to-head -head between the two. Tunstall himself's got his own round of what he calls regulators, these are basically people there to keep from uh, people stealing the cattle and all that sort of stuff on Tunstall's land. And part of that was, of course, Billy the Kid, who gets uh, round in between, obviously, people like uh, uh, we've got Doc Skurlock, Richard Brewer, uh, and we've got, uh, obviously, two Chavez Chavez, and um, a bunch of others that were actually in at the same time before uh, we see things in Young Guns uh, 2, some of those characters, Tom Foliot. Uh, people like that who were actually in the regulators. Uh, and then there's others as well that are in the same group. And you can actually look these up on Google, folks. The real photos of those regulators are up there, and even the people they went up against. Um, the sheriff and all that sort of stuff all up there too. Dirty Steve. Um, although it's murky whether that's actually Dirty Steve in real life or Dirty Dave Rudabar, which we see in the second film. Uh, played by Christian Slater, who um, even my brother said he could have played a really good Billy the Kid, and I do believe it. And it's funny that that movie actually does have two members of the Cuffs crew. Now, of course, you know we've covered that here. On this show, in the past, Cuffs, which had Leon Rippey, of course, and Christian Slater, and it's the first of its kind, and it's better than Deadpool, folks. 
Yes, the, the same sort of style. The fourth wall's broken because he's talking to you. He's going, right, so I'm here. i got my own little police force, and uh, what are we going to do? That's the kind of uh, movie it is because he's talking to you, involving you, and that's part of that experience of breaking the fourth wall in character, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> but he would have played a hell of a good Billy the Kid. So in amongst that, Billy the Kid gets uh, put into the regulators. John Tunstall gets murdered by um, people of the other party. And after they're deputised, Billy the Kid and the regulators go after all of Tunstall's killers. But it goes too far, because instead of arresting them, Billy kills all of them. Yes, he's the Terminator. That's right, of the West. Well, not quite, but you get the feel. Now, this tale's been told a number of times before in the past, um, in books, comics, movies. We've even had Jimmy Coburn, which we see in the second film, playing uh, one of the uh, the big ranch owners, uh, obviously the part, and he was actually Pat Garrett in an original version of that called Pat Garrett and the Billy the Kid, which was from, I think, 1970s, I remember right. I've got it on a special edition DVD, which is really good. The second uh, disc of that has so much material of the time. Bob Dylan plays, I think, one of the regulators, if I remember right. <laughs> um, it's just an interesting film, put it that way. But Coburn plays a very slick Pat Garrett back then, too. All right, so let's go into the cast here. You know the cast very well, folks. Um, of course, we're talking about the first film first, which uh, I just recently picked up this Blu-ray edition of. Now, the Blu-ray itself has a brilliant trivia track. Now, this is one that pulls up on the screen. So, so you basically play the, the movie itself in trivia, and you've got uh, some signs that come up with information and stuff like that, like newsreel footage almost of what happened back in the day for real. Then on the other side, you've got a little coffin that pops up every time Billy or the regulators kill somebody, you know, takes off Sheriff Brady, and then boom, comes that notch on the grave, and then down goes the tombstone. It's quite funny. But it, this is great. Again, it's it's got a documentary on there as well. Um, now, this is not as in-depth when it comes to um, stuff as the 2000, and I think it's nine. Young Guns Special Edition DVD. There you go. It's a little bit hard to say. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, but the Young Guns Special Edition DVD had a great Regulators commentary track with, of course, Casey Samaisko, Dermot Mulroney, and I do believe it was Lou Diamond Phillips who all talked about their experiences on, um, on the film and, of course, the fact that they didn't even know the Regulators. Um, some, some of the, the words and some of the, even the phrases were used in rap songs later on as well. Uh, quite, quite famous songs, actually. But also, um, it's great because you get to see like what people actually call out when they're going down the street here. Regulators! Show up! <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Uh, you can imagine all of them have had that too. Or even um, some of the stuff Charlie says, you know. It, it, it's John Kenny! <laughs> I'm sure he puts up with a lot of that over the years. All right, so let's get into the cast. Emilio Estevez plays Billy the Kid. Now, I think he plays it very well. And it's, for some reason, I always think that his character in Free Jack is an ex, uh, sort of an ex, extra of Billy the Kid. There's, there's little bits and pieces in there that sort of carry along on that sort of path, I think, personally. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, the characters... Emilia does very well. You know, he plays a, a, somebody that you know there's something deeper with this guy. There's a darkness in there. And that laugh, that... 
you know, which he plays well in the second film as well, uh, particularly when they come in uh, and rescue Doc and Chavez, uh, obviously from the Lynch crew. And, you know, um, just just straight away, once they hear that laugh, they know who he is. But he, I think he does very well in the role. Ludon Phillips plays Jose Chavez y Chavez. Now, his story is quite different in reality to um, uh, the character in the, uh, the films. Obviously, he sees his end in uh, the second film. Oh, whoops, spoiler. <laughs> uh, pretty much by the second film, there's very few of these regulators left. If, if the brushy Bill Roberts story is correct, then there's a different thing altogether. But um, So Chavez actually lived all through this, uh, went to prison for a few years, but after that became a lawman, I believe, or before one of the two. So he actually uh, lived quite a long life. Uh, then we've got Josiah... Doc Skurlock, played by um, Kiva Sullivan, who does quite a bit of the voiceover in this as well, whether it's reading the newspapers or in the end we get a little bit of that too. And he's, you know, he's a, kind of, a, I suppose, a poet, if you like, in some ways, uh, although a lot of it's coming from Edgar Allan Poe and um, his own sort of um, so thoughts on that, I suppose. But a lot of it too, he's really interesting in there, the fact that he's trying to stand apart from it, but he's stuck in the middle of it at the same time. Now, the interesting odd one out of here is Charlie Sheen playing Richard Brewer, which was said to be the toughest of the regulators and one that was the best at farming when it comes to being a ranch hand and all that sort of stuff. Um, so Charlie's interesting in this that he's playing a, a really sort of solid, staunch and rigid character, um, something we probably haven't seen a lot of in the fact that he always plays the crazy ones. When you look at Navy Seals, for example, or um, Major League or... Um, you, you name it. I mean, or even recently, Dermot <laughs> uh, Mulroney plays Dirty Steve, one of my favourite characters in this, who just seems to get the best lines and, of course, is just chewing tobacco through the whole movie and eating at the same time in some scenes. What in the hell is going on with that, folks? I don't know. Um, then we got Casey Simisco, who's uh, who's great in The Phantom. Uh, he's done a number of other great things, TV as well. But I think he really steals things as Charlie, uh, Charlie Baldry. And he gets some of the best lines. Now, he's a character who's naive, cowardly at times, but also has a certain amount of brave perseverance uh, that we get to see, uh, especially in the final showdown, when he goes, I'm going to kill you, John Kenny. And, of course, he goes and does what he needs to do, and he does kill John Kenny, folks. It's true. He gets that man, gets that bloody John Kenny fella. <laughs> uh, we have Terrence Stamp as uh, John Tunstall. I'm guessing he was in his probably late 30s, early 40s when he played this role, which is nowhere near the age of the real guy. John Tunstall was around about 25 or 23, give or take a year. Um, so he's quite a young fella, but I suppose older than most of those regulators. A lot of those cowboys would have been very young. Jack Palance plays, of course, Lawrence Murphy. Now, he is an interesting guy. I've got to give it to Jack Palance has always played... I mean, he's done a lot of Westerns, folks. A lot of Westerns. Uh, he's played some great bad guys over time. Uh, obviously, he's also known for doing the one-arm push-ups and all that sort of stuff in, uh, was it, City Slickers? Um, great, great actor of the time. But also, I think Jack Palance even was quite old for uh, the role of um, Lawrence Murphy at the time. But again, we, we get some great sort of foursome backs between Stamp and Palance, and uh, it's it's great sort of theatre in front of you. We got Terry O'Quinn playing Alexander McSqueen. McSween. <laughs> there you go. 
Alexander McSween is a friend of uh, John Tunstall's and um, his lawyer. He's basically his, you know, probably his best friend uh, in the place uh, as well. So he was always set out to um, help John no matter what happened. So he's always trying to keep things on the even path for him. Terry O'Quinn, obviously, great actor who is in every single movie in the 80s and every single movie in the 90s. And he's in X-Files. He's great in X-Files, the movie. That's uh, a great movie. We might have to do it here on the channel one day very soon. Patrick Wayne, son of, of course, the one, the only, John Wayne. Well, is that is that my son in that movie or what? I don't know. I can't really do John Wayne. But but anyway, he plays Pat Garrett, and I think it was just sort of an ode to, um, you know, the old Westerns to have uh, sort of a tie so that, and he looks pretty cool. He looks way different than what he looked like uh, on a lot of the specials and behind the scenes of his father and stuff like that I've seen in the past. So he was quite well done. Um, and again, he sort of got that. He actually looked a little bit like Bo from Days of Our Lives. Yeah, folks, I do remember Days of Our Lives. <laughs> um, all right, so we've got that. We've got Elise, uh, Elise Carter plays Yen Sun. Uh, and she's really good in this, actually. She obviously is... Um, basically slave to uh, Jack Palance, and Doc Skurlock will do anything he can to try and get, uh, get her free, and he does at the end. It's, it's actually quite poetic, beautiful, and at the end of the day, she's just really, really good uh, when she realises, you know, that um, she, has, she has this amazing love with Doc. I just wish it could have carried on into the next movie. It would have been um, beautiful. Brian Keith, famous actor, played Buckshot Roberts, who's a real, real character, did kill Richard uh, Brewer, Dick Brewer. Um at um, uh, Hastings Springs. Uh, I'll, again, I've got to read those books, folks. <laughs> but, of course, it's a great shootout in the movie and said to be uh, one of the fastest with a Winchester wheel through those lever actions um, in it, too. Amazing. we got Jeffrey Blake, who plays McCloskey, who is the traitor. So he's the guy that comes over from Murphy and Dolan and basically tries to figure out a way to upend the regulators, which he kind of almost does, but Billy's too smart for it. He sees it, sees this little eye tactics between him and, you know, the other guys as well. Uh, and he's great. Um, Jeffrey Blake's been in quite a bit of stuff um, over the years. Uh, I think um, Ed TV, I've known Forrest Gump, Castaway, Fern Gully, Apollo 13, and Emilio Estevez's other movie, of course, Men at Work. I do believe he's one of the other truck drivers who gets the poop thrown at him. Uh, when he opens up his um, uh, his little file or whatever it is in the uh, <laughs> just whoop <laughs> straight out of this, it is a good movie. I tell you, what, Men at Work. Now, you don't see that around these days, folks. If you see that around, get it, watch it. It's awesome. Uh, some of the best comedy out there. You get Keith David, Charlie Sheen, and Emilio Estevez up against uh, environmentalists. Uh, uh, sorry, they're, they're, uh, sorry, guys that are ruining the environment. <laughs> so they're helping the environmentalists. So yeah, <laughs> uh, we got Thomas Calloway who plays Texas Joe Grant in this. We've got Alan Keller who plays John Kenny, and he actually does look like John Kenny. <laughs> um, we've got Cody Palance in this, who's the son of uh, Jack Palance. He's the, one of the guys that dies when McCloskey gets uh, culture germed. You remember that scene? That's right. They're out by the water. He goes, "Hey, we're law." And he goes, "I'll tell you, McCloskey's riding with them." That's the guy. <laughs> and he plays Baker. And the other guy is, of course, um, that's famous in this, is one of the only Tom Cruise. That's right. Tom Cruise plays one of the 
guys when they're holding up McSween's house at the end, and he's got his little gun hanging out, and you could see it because of the way he's shot like this. He's got this really bad moustache, so I think he just visited the set to see his buddy Emilio Estevez, who then did the same in return and actually was in Mission Impossible as um, a character in that too. Uh, who also got Randy Travis, famous um, country singer. That's right, Randy Travis, folks. <laughs> um, and it's great. Of course, some of the great work on this film is the cast uh, coming together. Obviously, they've probably done quite a bit of work on, uh, I'd say, the horses and stuff like that, a lot of the gunplay, like a lot of those westerns did. And it just it really looks convincing. The town of Lincoln itself looks great. It actually looks like it's probably the actual Lincoln Street itself, and they've just put down dirt in the size of the where it would be the bitumen, all that sort of stuff. I think the second film they went to Old Tucson, uh, which is a proper uh, Western set. This There's always something about the first film which looked uh, more lived in, more real, more there, um, whereas the second looked operatic. It looked more like um, it was at a big set or something like that too. But having said that, it's still amazing. All right, let's quickly look at the second film. Obviously, it takes place after the uh, McSween place gets... Um, uh, totaled, uh, even though we do hear about what happens to Billy at the end, thanks to Kiva Sutherland. Um, the second film takes place starting in 1950 with a bookend with Rushy Bill Roberts, this really old 90, maybe 88-year-old, whatever it was, um, Western uh, old man sitting on the side of the desert where his car pulls up, old 1950s car, guy gets out. And he says, hey, look, I've come out to see you. What, what is this all about? And, of course, it's all about Brushy Bill wanting to get a pardon before he passes away because he knows he's dying for the killing of 21 men. And, he, of course, he's talking about the pardon that Governor Lou Wallace uh, said that he was going to get for testifying against those in the Lincoln County War. So that's basically the only big thing about this film. It's a, a, an extension of um, that. Obviously, Pat Garrett turning into a lawman after being an acquaintance, friend, whatever we're going to call it, of Billy itself, and, of course, the killing of Billy and the stamping out of the regulators. Now, this is quite a, a thrilling movie to watch. The music's fantastic, um, and it really is. It's it's a Bon Jovi movie, folks. Come on. <laughs> the music. There. Blaze of glory. It's all there. Uh, and it's played so well. Um, I remember seeing this poster, so obviously the cover-up, up on almost every corner in Brisbane, Australia, um, in the you know the year that it came out, it was just huge. Every actor in this is just massive. Uh, William Peterson, even who I didn't know much about at the time, um, really stole some of those scenes, and uh, he's brilliant as Pat Garrett. Now, obviously, I was expecting uh, the Pat Garrett from the first movie to come back, but um, you know him being possibly not um, a you know, lead actor, uh, obviously they had to sort of recast that. So Emilio's back as Billy the Kid a few years later. Lou Diamond Phillips as Ho, uh, Jose Chavez Chavez, uh, Doc, played by Kiefer again. But the interesting part is Christian Slater playing Dave Rudabar, who's meant to be actually quite a tough dude back then, a bit of a nutcase, a bit of a psycho. Um, but he's also been chased around by Wyatt Earp. And you can see that in the Wyatt Earp movie, and it's actually true. He was being hunted by Wyatt Earp. Uh, and everything you see in the movie about Dave Rudabar is true. He did get killed in Mexico and beheaded, apparently. I hope that's right. <laughs> but again, you know, he was a part of the group. Uh, then we had Henry William French, played by Alan Ruck. Uh, Alan Ruck, great, in the matter what he is. In, you know, he's one of the best 
parts of uh, in a small role of Star Trek, obviously in um, Star Trek Generations. Uh, he's at the start where he goes, "Well, uh, Captain Kirk, you know, take the bridge," because <laughs> he's he's like, you know, who who should really look after the situation he was in at the time. But he's just a great actor. He's great in, uh, was it Speed as well? Um, you know, he's been in. He's great. Balthazar Getty playing a real character, Tom Folliard, and he's great in it. You know, he's the sort of youth that's looking up to um, uh, Billy the Kid. He's got the dime novels, all that sort of stuff. We've got Jimmy uh, Coburn in this, as mentioned, as John Chisholm, one of the many people that is trying to put these regulators in their place and to um, put... The main one in place, Billy the Kid. John Bon Jovi is in it. We also have as John W. Poe, Vigo Mortensen. Probably in the first film I've seen him in. And um, he's great in it, actually. He's really, really good because he's sort of popping up in ties to really put Pacquiao in his place and test him a little. Um, obviously, he's working for one of the other guys. We've got Jenny Wright in this as well. Artie Call. Now, Artie Call's great. Now, obviously, he goes, top of the morning to you, Mr. Brownie. So you know who I'm talking about here. Uh, he's the DA in this, DA Rynison. Uh, Articles great. He was in uh, The Last Man Standing and in Waterworld. He's just got one of those tough, weathered faces that um, doesn't need a lot of speech to really set across that he means business. Uh, and then particularly in this film, I think he's great. He's, he's you know playing with it a bit here and there when it comes to, of course, Billy and his relationship to that, especially when Billy's captured. Now, as Deputy Carlisle, we have Robert Nepper. Yeah, he's one of the ones that comes uh, when they've got their lynch moment happening. And, of course, he stands in that scene. He's got that famous little words. He goes, well, we've got to do it lower way. Billy goes, which way? Lower way. <laughs> and he's actually unrecognisable. I mean, I'd probably know him now more for his roles that he's done in the last few years. He did the second Jack Reacher. Uh, he's done Hard Target 2. Um, he was in uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still as one of the military commanders, Heroes, one of the seasons of that as one of the bad guys. Um, but he goes as far back as Star Trek The Next Generation. He was in that. He was in, um, you name it, a lot of TV back in the day. And Renegades with, of course, previously to this movie with Kiva Sutherland and Lou Diamond Phillips. I think that's how he made what this role, just, um, you know, being in the know, I suppose. Uh, who else we got? Tracy Walter playing Beaver Smith, who's at the start of the film, lets Billy uh, pretty much run amok in his own home, and we get the cavalry doing a bit of a charge through. And it's, it, this is where it starts to show its epicness. Uh, this movie has that sweeping Western feel, and whereas the other one was a little bit more, I think, modern. I think that's the, the difference. This is a bit more old fashioned, operatic, uh, still action packed, and still got as much rock and roll, but it's expansive. That's what I love about the second film, and um, it's more theatrical. Um, whereas the first film, I think, is dealing with more you know, sections of Billy's life and just smashing it and more in a uh, straight-up, uh, I hasten to say TV way because it's not. It's, it's more of a, a modern film way. So we've got uh, also his deputy Bob Ollinger, the one that we Leon Rippy, and, of course, he has those great scenes with Billy. He goes, oh, just just try me, boy. <laughs> he's got the gun right under Billy's face. He's like, come on, man. You know, and He's got all those dimes in the barrel of his shotgun. Of course, he eats all of those when Billy gets out of them, too. So um, who else we have? Um, John Hamill, Scott Wilson as Governor Lou Wallace. Uh, again, Governor Lou Wallace in this, um, a lot of people don't know what he went on to um, do. And you should really look it up because it's interesting. He wrote Ben-Hur. So there you go. 
Um, but back here, obviously, he was uh, a governor, and he had his uh, instances talking to Billy and um, Billy trying to get, obviously, a way to um, not only finish off what's happening and pers uh, put this prosecution together against, obviously, the Lincoln County guys, the Murphy and Dolan clan, but also getting him free of um, the charges that are laid against him, too. So, again, that's all interesting, and I, I find that, it, you know, that's what makes this this film in particular a little bit more action-packed so the first film um obviously deals right up to the Tunstall's um death right up to uh, after that that's sort of midpoint up to McSween and um uh, obviously the the burning down of the house and then billy's escape and it's a great midpoint actually if this was a miniseries that would be the ultimate cliffhanger right? them getting away and then obviously he still hangs around. That's the ultimate mystery here. Got this young guy who's, you know, what is he? 19, 20, not even probably 21 um, before he was killed. And he just kept staying around. Now, had he jumped to a different state, uh, they can't chase him. <laughs> but he stayed there. You know, if he went to Mexico, they wouldn't have been able to get him. So it's interesting. You know, you wonder if Billy the Kid as a character is, you know, him staying all the time was because, you know, he's popular, knew the area, very, very articulate guy. You know, he read well, uh, was a good writer, uh, somebody who could tell jokes really well, had a great sense of humour, and played cards really well, that sort of stuff. He was a bit of a gambler. Um, didn't curse much, didn't drink much. It's interesting. Like, it's all those sorts of things that you see about the character, but yet he has this sort of streak of, um, there is a bit of mean there, you know, he's, he's willing to put people down so it's interesting and then you got on the other flip side of that pat garrett who's an interesting character in himself you know he's gone from uh, obviously being a um uh you know a, a similar to billy i suppose you know he's somebody in the middle of the midst of the uh, the crisis around the lincoln county war after that became a lawman his most famous thing he did obviously was you know hunted down and killed um those in line with obviously the regulators and of course billy himself after that, though, uh, his life took a turn for something different, too. And, you know, he um, never could really find success in what he uh, needed to do afterwards. He wrote a book on the hunting down of Billy the Kid, all that sort of stuff. So, it's, again, that's another thing to Google or check out. Uh, we definitely will do a follow-up to this after I've read more about it, too, because, uh, you know, again, I want to be as versed as I can. And this is very interesting time period and interesting characters, folks, because there are lots coming to light with, um, obviously... On YouTube, you can see there's even pictures of Billy the Kid now coming up um, from, you know, the tintypes, all that sort of stuff that are the real McCoy. And some that, you know, maybe not have the provenance that they need, but still you can tell it's definitely Billy. So it's interesting sort of time. Now the music itself too, as we mentioned, is very, very rock and roll. Uh, there's, there's no getting around it. This is a series of films which really were at that period of, um, I think, um, particularly for people that are into hair metal and stuff like that, Bon Jovi is is pretty much, as said in uh, Headbangers Ball, actually quite that, they said in a special that was um, made out here in Australia, uh, they said that he's kind of like the Luke Skywalker, a heavy metal, hard rock and heavy metal, and he really is, he's sort of like the quintessential, if you like, of that period, and... Um, the music itself speaks for itself. It really is uh, epic. Um, these are films that sort of thrive on the music. Um, so if you look at musically, you know, the film has some very big chorus sort of elements. Uh, so the score was done by Alan Silvestri. 
uh, and it was put out in September 19, um, 2011, issued the Silverstreet's basically scoring his own CD, basically. This is his own take on it. Um, but um, just by the look of it too, Alan Silvestri sort of fed on, I suppose, um, the, the themes of that epic sort of nature, uh, particularly in those opening scenes as you see Brushy Bill looking back and we sort of focus in and it sweeps over. You get those epic notes which are just echoed and that chorus behind it. Um, so we've got Scars as one, um, Small Hands, Lynch Mob, all these epic sort of um, uh, scenes. We've got um, Ride to Guano City on Blaze of Glory as well there too. So it's interesting. Um, Usual School was, you know, strong and I think, you know, definitely more epic than the first film um, and definitely something you've got, got to check out. But I think Blaze of Glory, is the song is what really drove that film. Uh, at the time, it was on video hits in Australia, it was on Rage, uh, you name it, it was everywhere. And um, it sort of brought home, particularly a lot of the action scenes and what we were going to see. And a lot of people then went to VHS and went, all right, I've got to go and check out that first film uh, and where that sort of um, grew everything from. And I think that's what made you know the film itself uh, such a huge hit, uh, musically and everything too. So let's have a look at the director for the second one was Jeff Murphy, who did Free Jack. Yeah, hey, that's cool. <laughs> uh, produced by uh, Paul Schiff, James G. Robinson, and Irby Smith. Uh, written by uh, John Fusco. And the, uh, the actual, the writing of both these films is just brilliant. Um, uh, the work that uh, John has done uh, on these, it, you know, it's made it so so inviting for people that are, you know, not from uh, America. Like, we, we're not naturally know about Billy the Kid. We know what we've seen from the movies. But you straight away get a sense of all of these, what that. Now, let's look. John actually wrote some of my favourite films. Check this out. Thunderheart. Pretty cool. Crossroads. Yes. Yes. The classic Crossroads is also in there. And The Highwayman as well. Um, so, again, and Hidalgo. Wow, that's, that's actually a pretty damn fine film as well. So, you know, uh, it is an amazing um, story in both of those, and I think that's what drives us all to um, go and actually find out the real McCoy. So one of the big things, Brushy Bill Roberts, I think, brings about where things are going to head, possibly. Uh, when I heard that there's a rumour uh, of a young gun street, and then only about a couple of weeks ago we saw... Uh, some art out there uh, of a possible uh, story. So uh, I don't know what we're going to see. Young Guns? Young Guns 3, what are we going to see? Is this going to be about Brushy Bill Roberts? I think it's the most logical uh, story that could be uh, when it comes to the, the stories uh, pr uh, post. You know, uh, some people say that the body that um, Pat Garrett buried had a beard. And um, they always said Billy couldn't grow a beard. He's too young. He just said peach fuzz. You know, that's not a beard. So maybe he, why he did live on, I mean, who knows? He was a friend of um, Billy, so maybe he gave him an escape. You never know. Um, that's what's interesting. And folks, you can see plenty of podcasts out there by um, you know people that are well-versed in this that will probably tell you more about that. But that's what I find fascinating. Uh, you know, the same thing happened here in Australia with uh, the Kelly family, the Ned Kelly family. I think it was Dan Kelly that um, was rumoured to have lived on um, past Glen Rowan, where there was their last stand as well. So it's all interesting. It's a history. It's all fascinating. It's all speculation as well until fact is there too. So the films themselves, let's get to onto them. Uh, I've got to go equal on both. Five out of five, folks, on the Hallenbach scale. These are fantastic movies. 
you don't own them, and don't even own that. You, you got to own this and the soundtracks, folks, because they're bloody awesome. So go and check them out. They're awesome. We're going to look at other westerns down the line. Uh, Silverado, you've been asking for. We will be doing definitely. Uh, others have asked for um, Tombstone. That's definitely happening, folks. I can definitely see that. All here on the Lethal Mullet podcast on the Lethal Mullet Network. I'm Adam O'Brien. We'll catch you next time. Stay awesome and go and check out those movies because you know what? They're awesome. I'm sitting here waiting. Contemplating what's the best day. Watching that you move on the Lethal Mullet. Wow, on the Lethal